Hey everyone, welcome to episode 178 of the Unfocus podcast. I'm your host Andy Corrigan. With me as always is Andrew Brown. Hello. And Tori Wassana. Hello. And this week we're going to be talking about the stuff we've been playing while we've been off over the Christmas holidays and the big release this week, which is uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus. Okay, so uh, Andrew, let's start with you with the stuff you've been playing. Uh, you finished Loop Hero, I think? Yes, I did. Uh, not going to talk at great length about it, but I am now certain uh, it, it is one of the best indies of last year. It would have been on my uh, Game of the Year list somewhere, uh, probably in the best indie category, if I had finished it when we recorded that episode last year, but I had done it at that point. Totally worth my time, even though it is a bit of a grind, but it's it's an enjoyable grind. Okay, so yeah, as I mentioned on that last episode, I was planning on playing uh, catch-up stuff on other platforms rather than Nintendo stuff. So uh, yeah, I did that. I played through Forza Horizon, uh, the new one, 5, I think it is, and Halo Infinite, which I liked a lot. And then since then, I've been plugging away on a Splinter Cell series playthrough, starting with backwards compatible versions that are on the uh, Xbox platforms. But I have been taking the series playthrough to the extreme, and I've been playing like every single port there is on every single game the original three games uh as they were on the other platforms were all on the gamecube just gonna touch on them slightly they're pretty decent stealth action games uh playing in third person you're you're charting your way through the shadows to find out information uh to prevent like an overall conspiracy interesting thing with these games i like how they are not set during war but are about preventing it and the war that you're engaged in is one of information uh, as the the lone guy behind enemy lines trying to you know figure out what's going on and put a stop to all the nefarious deeds that are happening i say they're pretty decent the third one chaos theory is one of the best games ever made uh, and that revisit has done nothing to dissuade me from that opinion but yeah they're they're all on uh legacy nintendo hardware uh, as is double agent which is there's actually two versions of that depending on the hardware it was released on uh, the nintendo consoles only got like the poorer version which uh, is not considered canon, so won't bother with that one. The thing I really wanted to talk about mainly, though, is the handheld ports. So there's quite a few of these. There's two uh, Game Boy Advance games, uh, one after the original Splinter Cell, uh, one after the sequel Pandora Tomorrow, and uh, there's a couple of entries on on uh, 3DS and 2DS. Uh, the thing that I really found interesting, especially the Game Boy ones, is I, I have this obsession with handheld ports where uh, I like when they're constrained by hardware and they obviously can't just do a straight port of the main release. So they try and capture what makes that great, but in a, in a different format on a less powerful device. The GBA games, one handles this really well, the other one doesn't. So the, the original... Splinter Cell on Game Boy Advance is kind of like it's a side scroller. Uh, you know, it it tries to capture the things that make Splinter Cell. So you can you can hide in some shadows, you can climb pipes, you have a silence gun, so you can take out um, cameras and like that's about it. It's kind of just like a mundane side scroller. It's really easy. I imagine like the the design meeting for that was really fun. Like trying to figure out how they could translate these. Uh, mechanics from a 3d game into the 2d game but it's it's not very good uh, pandora tomorrow takes that same side scrolling thing and just nails the mechanics of the the core games a lot better like there's a lot more sneaking around in darkness you can step into the background at any time you can hide behind things you have to in in the original version like 
if you kill someone and another guard comes along, they won't take any notice. They don't care. In the Pandora Tomorrow version on Game Boy, like you have to hide this stuff from cameras and and move bodies over to the far end out of uh, the walking paths of other enemies. So a uh, little bit more thought went into that. So yeah, I, I've I've been enjoying that one a lot more out of the the GBA games. The DS versions. So there's there's two games. There's one on 2DS, which is Chaos Theory DS. It's a remake of Chaos Theory, the main the core version it's fully 3d it's got all the mechanics that you're aware of but it's very much like um an abridged version like there's less places to explore you you only really have one path uh, and in it's kind of like chaos theory by the way of the original game in that it's more of an obstacle course than it is uh like a a stealth game with choice and awful to control on the the normal ds uh splinter cell 3d is actually another remake of Chaos Theory, their second stab, this time with uh, 3D graphics, and they, they've borrowed some of the UI stuff from one of the, the later Splinter Cell games. Yeah, it's it's got the same problems. Every, it's like the same locations, everything's like really cut down. It's all a bit square, like even outdoor areas are just perfectly square <laughs> arenas. So, um, But it follows the same uh, cool story, and uh, yeah, it's just the, these weird little cut down experiences of, of trying to mimic uh, the same thing um i did realize i actually have the the wii version of double agent as well but i haven't had a chance to play that yet so that'll be probably be the same one as the original xbox version but with waggle controls i think <laughs> i'm on a hell of a stealth kick at the moment so that, that's what i've been doing i think i'm something like uh seven splinter cell games in now just about to put the finishing touches to conviction and then just uh blacklist left to go which was uh on wii u which is where i originally played that i think yeah so that's that's me <laughs> i've just been doing a hell of a lot of splinter selling tori uh fortnite fortnite what, what what got you to play fortnite i actually can't remember um there was a reason and i don't remember why i picked it up again was it spider-man and the swing mechanics I, no but that's what got me to stay um <laughs> So if you're somehow unfamiliar with Fortnite, it's most famous mode is the battle royale mode where you have a hundred players drop on an island and the player area shrinks as you try to be the last one standing. Uh, it's a third person shooter, so it's all over the shoulder stuff, but it's also become a place for all of these crossovers, whether it's Marvel, DC, uh, video game characters like Master Chief or Kratos from uh, God of War. No Nintendo ones, unfortunately. It's just plain fun. Uh, I remember dropping off it. I can't remember why I dropped off it. Building. Definitely building. Yep. Yeah, actually, yes. Um, <laughs> they've made a lot of improvements just to general user interface. There's so many healing items now that just make it really easy to just stay engaged and in the battle, which I really like. And the building that we don't like, um, there's a lot of items now to mitigate that sort of skill gap when people, we, I call them landlords, just you shoot at them <laughs> and all of a sudden they're an apartment building because they just build so quickly and so big. But they've got these items now, like you can collect fireflies in the wild that you can throw. They're in a jar, you throw them at the buildings and it will just burn it down and even damage the player if they stay in there too long. Uh, you've got flare guns that do much of the same thing. Um, it's just really 
fun now that you almost want them to start building because then you can just start burning the whole thing down, which um, I realize makes me sound unsafe. Fire, 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 fire. <laughs> that's basically it. Yeah, overall, it's it just feels like a lot of fun to play again. Um, the shooting mechanics, they're really basic, which actually kind of makes it easier to get into. You don't have to be, like with PUBG, um, which is not on Switch, that had a really high skill ceiling because there was bullet drop-off and I think it could be affected by wind even. Mm-hmm. Um, none of that in Fortnite. It's just a, a shooty game. It feels like an arena shooter in some ways as well. And like you mentioned, they added Spider-Man's gloves, like actually Spider-Man's gloves into the game as a uh, traversal mechanic. And that's one of my favorite things in a video game is how fun is it to move through the game world? My favorite games all are based on that principle. If it's fun to move around in, I can forgive a lot about it. And swinging with Spider-Man's gloves is really fun. Uh, So is driving. Uh, they got radios in the cars now, even, for some reason. Um, and they added sliding now. So that's one of my favorite things from uh, Destiny, was that you could sprint and then crouch, and you, would, you wouldn't you would just stop dead and crouch, you would actually slide. So you'd have the benefit of moving fast while also being a low-profile target. Um, there's just so many quality of life updates that they've done to the game to just make it a lot more fun. To play jump into uh and it runs really well on switch it doesn't even matter what platform you play on now you can cross play with anything i'm pretty sure it's anything other than ios of course <laughs> but you know we, i will play on pc sometimes sometimes i'll play on the xbox sometimes i'll play in, on the switch if i just feel like laying in bed and playing um small tangent the xbox wireless headset if you like to be on Discord and play Switch at the same time, definitely check these headset this headset out because it can connect to two Bluetooth devices at once. So you can have your Switch connected for the game audio and then to your phone as well for the Discord audio and you can even change the balance between it to make one louder than the other. Uh, that's been a huge help playing Fortnite on a console, whether it's Xbox or Switch definitely check them out i just wish nintendo would do something like this on their own volition but anyway yeah (laughs) fortnite check it out if you like shooters um lots of third-party uh licensed crossovers like resident evil um gears of war even and spider-man is currently in the battle pass so you can earn spider-man players him earn some skins for him as well like the symbiote suit if you're a nerd like me you'll enjoy that it's just straight up becoming Ready Player One at the moment, isn't it? It is, and I feel bad for not hating it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The only game where you can play as Spider-Man and shoot Batman in the face. Bad time. Um, Just out of interest, I brought up the uh, App Store to see if it was back on iOS. It is not, but there are a heap of uh, wannabes in there, such as Creative Destruction and Fight Night Battle Royale. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, uh, PUBG. Obviously, obviously, but. which also got Spider Man. What? Yeah, yeah, they they had they had a Spider Man crossover recently. <laughs> I don't think it's got the mechanics; it's just skins, I think. But. Yeah. Oh, Sony, you're so pathetically shameless. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that's Fortnite. Not tempted to go back ever since I got my one and only win. I was going to call it a chicken dinner, but that's a PUBG reference. Um. 
And incidentally, it was actually the building that helped me win because he'd built a, a massive tower and then started trying to build a bridge across and I was able to see the top of his head so I just shot the panel out from under him as yeah. he was jumping and shot him all the way down. I got a victory like that the other day and uh, it's moments like that if you're playing with friends and everyone bursts out into laughter, it's <laughs> there's no, nothing quite like it. Uh, Andrew, something else you were playing, uh, Dungeon Munchies. I think you talked a little bit about this one before the break. Yeah, I beat what felt like a complete game before the break. Uh, turned out that was all the early access content, and I was going to play the rest of the game over the break, which I did, kind of. <laughs> uh, the very first thing in the second part of the game, basically, is this really annoying escort quest that I could not do, and after a few attempts i was just like this this is truly terrible and i just quit because it was not <laughs> worth my time so dungeon munchies not a great choice all around uh the early access part of the game that i played was mediocre to competent at best and after that it just got even worse so yeah no let's stick with you for the moment uh shadow man remastered i know you were looking forward to that one quite a lot uh, yeah it was announced two years ago, maybe, and then it finally released over the break. Uh, Shadow Man is a 3D adventure game with a lot of shooting in it, I think is the best way to describe it. came out in 1999, uh, mm-hmm. and like the, the best way to pitch this game is this was as close to Metroid Prime as we had before Metroid Prime came out, and I, I don't want to put it on a pedestal. This is not Metroid Prime. <laughs> uh, it, it's not nearly as good. But as far as what you're doing in it, like uh, you play as Shadow Man who has to stop the apocalypse. Uh, there's these people in the underworld, which in the Shadow Man mythos is called Deadside. And Shadow Man is this voodoo warrior who can uh, travel between live side the our living world and dead side the underworld and fight monsters in both of them using voodoo powers i i don't know much about voodoo uh, but i i strongly suspect that this game is not a terribly accurate or respectful representation of voodoo so <laughs> if you're especially sensitive to those kind of things probably you're gonna want to avoid this game but I, I grew up playing this game so i've just kind of internalized everything about it but having said that <laughs> uh shadow man has to find these 120 dark souls it's what they're called so let's just deal with that uh <laughs> that the bad guy legion in the Deadside wants to turn into his immortal army, so Shadow Man has to intercept these 120 Dark Souls by finding them as they're strewn throughout Deadside and a little bit in Liveside. And the Legion has already actually created five of his Dark Warriors with these immortal souls, put them in the souls of, or in the bodies of five serial killers, including Jack the Ripper and four other characters who are based off of movie serial killers like. The Silence of the Lambs guys, Hannibal Lecter, <laughs> those kind of movie serial killers. Uh, so a big part of the, the goal of the game is to find a way for Shadow Man to survive in live side against these immortal serial killers. And this is a, actually a really, really good remaster of the game when I was playing it. When I first started out, I was like, this is so good, it doesn't even feel like the game I remember playing on Nintendo 64. Uh, I haven't played <laughs> that in a good 10 years now, 
but I'm almost positive that game had to have been running in the teens on the frame rate comparing it to this game, which runs at 60 mm-hmm. FPS. Uh, it's just so much better to play, and it, they've got these really great uh, shadow effects that they've added in. It's got a really impressive lighting system. Some of the areas just look really good with the lighting shining through, like, portcullises, and you're fighting monsters in the in these flickering shadows just shining through these really dynamic objects it looks great Uh, and they've restored a lot of the content that was cut from the game this was actually a a slightly bigger game i don't want to overemphasize how much was added back in but there there's a good couple there's a good three to five hours of extra content in this game that was cut from the original release just because too big to fit on a nintendo 64 cartridge basically (laughs) so uh but you can kind of tell that the, this content was cut before the game was released because it doesn't all feel finished. Some of the areas are rather large and don't have a lot in them, <laughs> especially uh, one of the serial killers. Uh, he got his own area. Uh, I could have explained this more elegantly, but uh, in the original release of the game, three of the serial killers were actually moved into another killer's area, so they were all just kind of in the same prison area. In this game, with the restored cut content, each serial killer actually has his own environment that he exists in. So I I think that is the most substantial addition to the game. And also, I feel like they added more enemies just because the game runs so much better. It's on so much more powerful hardware. I fought a lot more enemies in some areas than I remember existing in the original game. Uh, But anyway, Shadow Man, probably a rather offensive portrayal of voodoo and uh, (laughs) not a great (laughs) 3D style adventure game. But if you're like me and you played it when you were a child and you have fond memories of it, I definitely recommend playing this. I think it's it's an excellent remaster of a of a so-so game that I have nostalgic feelings for. I think that's the best way <laughs> to pitch this. Now, if you didn't play this when you were a kid or if you uh, you are a kid, I don't think you're going to appreciate this game. <laughs> it, it's uh, 21 years old. No, it's it's almost 25 years old now. And it feels it. Yeah, when uh, when it first came out in England, a lot of the mags were comparing it to Tomb Raider. Yeah, he, Shadow Man kind of, not anymore, because the game runs so much better, but just mm-hmm. the way that you have to move him around, like, that's another thing that I didn't mention in the remasters. They've actually given it full 3D, like, twin joystick aiming, whereas in the original release, it had tank controls, basically. So, yeah, that would definitely be a, a Tomb Raider comparison. Mm-hmm. Tori, you have been checking out Pikmin Bloom, which is the uh, mobile game, I think. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know if I've mentioned before, but I used to be a very avid Pokemon Go player. The concept of having like that real-world element mixed in with a long-time favorite franchise of mine was a huge selling point, and I loved it for a long time. Unfortunately, the game is kind of moved into more of a PvP direction, which is not really how I like to play Pokemon games in general. Pikmin Bloom is much more of a passive experience where it's more about going for a walk and planting flowers, finding Pikmin and um, sending them on ex- uh, expeditions to defeat the called blockers, which are just giant mushrooms basically, and find uh, giant fruits to turn into nectar. And the nectar you feed to the Pikmin to get petals that you use to plant the flowers. That's kind of like the, the core loop. And the more you befriend your Pikmin, you can send them back to the place where you found them. And they'll grab a, a little, they're called decor, 
or Decor Pikmin. They'll go back and find something related to the place where you found them. So, like, a supermarket, they'll get bits of banana on them. Or a hairdresser, they'll get combs and scissors. For now, that's kind of the extent of what the game is. But honestly, that's kind of all I really needed. Uh, you always kind of feel like you're, you're making progress trying to collect these uh, decor Pokemon. I hope they add more features in the future, but right now that's the core of the, the gameplay. Um, and also the whole point of interest thing, so Pokestops and Pokemon Go would be located at um, more points of interest, quite literally. It's an interesting way of kind of getting tourists. You know, playing a game in a new city and also getting an idea of where everything is. Pikmin Go utilizes that by having both uh, giant flowers that you can bloom that will give you the fruit to kind of keep blooming on planting more flowers uh, as well as those blockers that I mentioned that's really it though um, it's fun it's passive it's something that you don't have to have open on your phone while you're walking it's something that you you start planting flowers put it away get back home and see what your Pikmin found uh, it's much more focused on the walking as well rather than directly in interacting with the app it's getting me to walk more as well. That's the, the main way that you level up. It's not experience points. It's um, how many flowers you've planted, how many Pikmin you've uh, grown, and how many steps you've walked. So in a way, it's much more of a fitness app than the Pokemon Go game is. Uh, it's very simple, very easy to get into. I'd highly recommend trying it out. It's free. I just wanted to bring it up because it's it's something that I've been interacting with every day. It's got like a little diary in it as well. So at the end of your day, it'll take a a photo. You have to give it permissions. Don't worry. It's not just reading your files. <laughs> uh, it'll take a photo that you um, took that day and kind of put it into a journal in the game and tell you how many steps you walked, what you found. It's cute. But again, it's not, not a hardcore game. And I don't think Pikmin ever really was a hardcore game. It can be if you want to, but it's always been about the cuteness, hasn't it? Yeah. Um as someone who has, you know, used the pandemic to stop playing Pokemon Go, probably won't give this one a go. Plus I work from home now, so <laughs> not much point for me. That's fair. Um Yeah, so that's that one. Uh, Andrew, you've been playing The Wild at Heart, which kind of has a similar art style to uh oh what's the name where the wild things are you read my review didn't you no i have not <laughs> oh yes well I just I just, I, I just looked this up to look at the art style <laughs> yeah uh i would directly compare this game not only in its art style but also to its themes to the storybooks of maurice sendak hopefully uh children today still know who maurice sendak is because <laughs> uh <laughs> i don't know maybe that movie just killed where the wild things are i don't know but anyway uh the wild at heart is a story about a boy named wake and his friend kirby who decide to run away from home into the forest that borders their backyards and they do so and immediately become lost and after wandering for several hours they find themselves in a magical place that exists beyond space and time called the deep woods which is the prison to a 
creature called the Never that literally eats people's memories. So the other humans that they've encountered here in the deep woods uh, don't really remember their names or who they were before they arrived in the deep woods, and Kirby and Wake have to find a way to find the Never's prison and defeat it before they become like everybody else, just these hollow people that... Uh, don't remember anything about where they were. You know, it's that whole idea of, you know, you run away from home and you find exactly what you were looking for. And it turns out it's not what you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and how they uh, go about doing that is they have to find the help of the Spratlings. And that's where the game plays quite a bit like Pikmin. There are five different varieties of Spratlings. And uh, I have about up to 60 of them following Wake and Kirby around at any given time. And Wake and Kirby have unique abilities. Uh, Wake is a budding engineer who's made like a vacuum cleaner that is really powerful so he can suck things up and blow things away with, with the gust buster it is called. And Kirby finds a magic lantern that can interact with a lot of the artifacts in the forest. And then the Spritelings, like there's a, a Spriteling that's immune to poison, one that's immune to fire, one that's immune to ice, one that has thorns on its head so it uh, deals more damage and is able to break certain objects, and there's another one that gets more powerful at nighttime. So I've already directly compared this game to Pikmin, and that element of the game is there. Uh, you have to use the Spritelings to build bridges, to break down certain barriers, and there's also a lot of junk around the forest you can find that you can use the Spritelings to carry back to the grove, the central area, to complete side quests, and, you know, you fight monsters by throwing Spritelings at them. It plays a lot like Pikmin, but I wouldn't say that it, it just is Pikmin, because Pikmin is a time management game. You have to always be taking into account to how many Pikmin you're assigning to a task, and how long it's going to take to complete that task, and you have a, a really narrow period of time in a day to accomplish things and you have a limited number of days to accomplish everything the wild at heart is not like that at all if you assign your spritelings to do a task they will be done within 30 seconds on a long end of a job uh, you don't really have to think about how long it's going to take them to finish it you can take as long as you need to to finish the game and the mission doesn't just end when nighttime hits the game keeps going uh, but it does become much harder to stay alive at night. So you do want to get to back to a campsite and go to sleep until the next day. But you can do things at night, and there are even a few things in the game you can only do at night, which is kind of cool. I really enjoyed this game. I think it was really solidly built, got a lot of great ideas in it. It's just it's a little too grindy at places. Like Again, to compare it to Pikmin, Pikmin, it's really easy to keep your Pikmin numbers up. In this game... You get new Spritelings by smashing these blue uh, these blue squashes that are growing around the forest. And some of them drop seeds for Spritelings. Some of them drop a currency called Glint. And you combine the two back to your campsite to make new Spritelings. And I found that I was constantly, like literally constantly smashing these squashes. Like every in-game day, every few minutes. And I was still barely keeping up with all the Spritelings I was losing because the combat isn't particularly great. Uh, I found most of the time I was either wiping the enemy out or 
my Spritelings were getting wiped out, and there didn't feel like there was much I could do to influence that outcome. <laughs> it was just kind of almost luck contrasted a little bit with, uh, you know, the difficulty of the monster I was fighting. Some monsters are like, okay, this is going to hurt. I've just got to accept that. But then there are other monsters I fought. I was like, I don't know why that went so badly. And I don't know what I could have done different to make it not go so badly. And also the another batch of the side quests is to do monster bounty hunting. I didn't even bother trying to do all these just because it involved killing a certain number of monsters and just running all over the place and it was just a real grind and the, the rewards just didn't feel worth it so I just I didn't even bother with that but I still thought it was a cool game uh it's a great twist on Pikmin if you're not so into the the time management aspect which I, I know Tori at least uh, felt a lot of stress from that that has been completely removed from this so if you're looking for a different kind of Pikmin game that doesn't have that time pressure this would be a good alternative and it's also it's just got a, an interesting story it's got a great visual design and the emphasis is much more on, on puzzle solving than on you know finding junk and carrying it back to your spaceship so and also on plot there's a there's an ongoing plot that you follow instead of just chasing down junk because all, all the junk you chase down is actually for a side quest so cool game i enjoyed it a lot and sounds like something Tori would want to play. Yeah, it does sound like my thing, especially if it's not stressful. Let's move on to the big release this week, which is Pokemon Legends Arceus. Now, a couple of things to mention before we get into it. Uh, all three of us had really lost interest in this game in the build-up, partly due to how Nintendo was handling the, the marketing. Or wasn't handling um, the marketing. Yep, more to the point, yeah. <laughs> Um, and yeah, we would, and like, there was no previews really, no, there was just nothing causing excitement. So it completely dropped off my radar. I had forgotten to pre-order it actually. And then the reviews hit and every, it was very, uh, popular across all outlets. And then we were like, uh oh, <laughs> we weren't prepared to like this game. Uh, so yeah. Um, so my experience has been the opposite of what I was feeling beforehand. Uh, I'm very pleasantly surprised. Because uh, I was late to Pokemon as a series, I definitely do not feel that same level of boredom with the traditional structure as uh, Andrew does and as, as Tori has sort of started to feel in the last year, I would say. Yeah. But that I, this is like that um, Breath of the Wild change for me where I was like, no, I don't want it to change structures. And then Breath of the Wild hit and I was like, ah, okay. Yeah, so... Uh, this is a big change up to the formula. Uh, already I'm thinking that I hope this is what Pokemon is from now on. But let's get into what makes it so different. Partway through last year I made the joke. I think it was shortly after Monster Hunter Rise had launched. No, actually it would have been the announcement of uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl that I joked that we were after a Monster Hunter style Pokemon game. Mine was a bit more graphic about murdering the Pokemon. Um, <laughs> but they 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 did listen because this is kind of in that... It uses the blueprint, I think. It's structured almost exactly like a Monster Hunter Rise mission, except... Yeah. Yeah. You can stay out as long as you need to and you're not after any one thing in particular. Mm -hmm. And you can like seamlessly run between the areas, at this point anyway, where I, where I am. Um you you get missions, uh, some story, some uh, like research quests, and some other side quests, and you you just go out into the wild and 
chip away at them. In the short space I've played it, so I, I'm just about to face uh, Cleaver and throw the food at him. Um, I'm almost exactly at the same spot. What playtime are you at? Oh, God, I haven't checked. No, I'm at, tw- um, I'm at 12 hours, and I'm in the same spot, <laughs> so I was just curious where everybody was at at that playtime. I know where Tori was at. <laughs> I would suspect you're, you've spent more time in the field than I have. I've kind of just been following the bouncing ball a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, Tori, you, you nearly finished it, or you have finished it now? I thought it was near to the end. Um, I don't want to say anything spoilery, but... Plot twist! <laughs> yeah. Um, the, you know how, like, Zelda games, you have a, a thing at the start, like, that's your goal, and then you get that done, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden there's, like, a second half of the game? Mm-hmm. Although usually it's actually the second two-thirds of the game in a Zelda game, but anyway, yeah. Yeah. Like, in Ocarina, in Ocarina of Time, you do the first three dungeons, and then you get the, the things to go to the Temple of Time, and then there's more dungeons. Yeah. That that's where I feel like where I'm at. Okay, because there are places I'm I'm still on the first sandbox, but I can see there hmm. are places that I need the surfing Pokemon to get to, which I haven't unlocked yet. So I wondered if there was going to be more story where I would have to go back to the earlier sandboxes to look for those things once I have more travel options, or if that was just post game stuff where I just go there to find more Pokemon to capture. I feel like there's surprises that I want to save for both you and, and the listeners. So I won't <laughs> say. Cool. Oh. Yeah. So with this uh, being more of a, an open world iteration on the Pokemon thing, they've changed up the catch mechanics a lot, which now plays a bit like a first person shooter. <laughs> you, you pull a trigger to uh, bring your, your throwing arm up. You can switch between Pokemon that you've caught if you want to start a fight uh, with a wild Pokemon or if they've seen you first and decided that uh, you you look like lunch. Or you can throw an empty Pokeball and try and catch them by surprise. Um, loving this change-up. Uh, yeah, I love how you switch between the Pokemon you're going mm-hmm. to use with the uh, shoulder buttons and then you can throw the Pokeball at enemies and like literally mm-hmm. that's you, you chuck the ball at them and you smack them in the face with them. Or if you hit them from behind with the Pokeball with your Pokemon in it, then that'll actually start a sneak attack, which I think is a really cool mechanic to introduce to a Pokemon mm-hmm. game. And it works the same if you're just chucking the Pokeball outright. If you hit them from the back, that's like a critical capture hit, and more than likely you're going to capture the Pokemon if you manage to hit them like that. But it's not always easy to do that. And yeah, I, I like you say, I like, love that you can select the Pokemon you want to throw before you initiate a battle, because that was that's been one of my bugbears the whole time i've hated that since red and blue how it's always your first pokemon in your roster it's like let me strategically pick i've been asking this for 25 years let me pick which pokemon i send out first instead of just the one that's at the top of the list (laughs) well it's twofold as well because you get to choose depending on what pokemon that you want to actually fight in the wild like it's not a random occurrence Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. you know what you're going up against and you can prepare for that. Whereas yeah. the older Pokemon games, it would be like, I'll put this one first because it will be most effective against most of the Pokemon in here. Not or all of them. Or it's the one I'm trying to most level up. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's big on the quality of life things. Um, oh, yeah. Including uh, harvesting crafting items. So in this, you throw your one of your Pokemon at a tree and it'll harvest the berries from the tree. Um, I love how this works because you can just be running towards a destination you'll be going past the tree you can keep running while throwing the ball at the tree and just keep 
darting and the pokemon will just come back to you with with all the goods love that yeah let's talk about the fighting um we've got a note here that it's uh the transition to fighting is almost seamless i think this would be andrew's notes um, everything here is my notes i think <laughs> yeah cool um but uh yeah you've, you've mentioned there's like a slight flash before the battles actually begin which you think is hiding a transition however i have evidence and anecdotes to suggest that it is actually a seamless open combat system well i think what the flash is doing is it's uh clearing everything else out on the field that yeah, isn't supposed fair. to be I, there yeah like I, I i've seen stuff disappear in the background mm-hmm. as the fight's starting like if you've aggroed multiple pokemon then you'll fight all of them in one group but it doesn't seem you can have different types like it'll be multiple zubats for example but if you somehow get a zubat and a geodude after you then you'll only fight one of them and i think what the flash does is is it's just clearing out all the other pokemon that that aren't part of the battle group i think that's what the flash Uh, is doing i I did have a fight just before that were three paras and one burma oh interesting so okay i I, i'm probably not as far in in as you are to experience that then there is there is situations where some have just been on the periphery of what it's deciding is the battleground, and they just turn around and then disappear as they walk off. Uh, so who's to say? As I was going to say, one of our mutual friends, Josh, uh, he was talking about a battle where a Pokemon was a, on a cliff above him, and he threw the ball, and it, the fight kicks off, his character's still down below. <laughs> Underneath, can't see anything, but he was still able to battle. I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> If if you run as well, that's seamless. Like uh, yeah, I, I've started fights with some of the alphas, which we haven't talked about. The like like in the animal kingdom, there are alpha versions of Pokemon who are stronger and bigger than everyone else. Uh, and if you you wander into them when you're not ready, uh, they will murder everything you have. Yeah. Um, so I've run from a few of those, and those transitions have been like the transition out is seamless. When you run, you you are running. <laughs> you are running for your life from a monster. It's not like in a, a an older Pokemon game where you run and that's that's just it. You're away, you're free and clear. No, you, you put your Pokemon away back in their Pokeballs and you run for your life from the Pokemon <laughs> that is trying to kill you. <laughs> With the battles against multiple Pokemon at once, I actually found that the Pokemon tend to do this thing more where they just don't do a move. They might be looking around or mm-hmm. doing something idle. Mm-hmm. Um, they do that on the one-on-ones as well with the wild Pokemon, but there are a couple of occasions where you're battling multiple trainer Pokemon as well, huh? Mm-hmm. and that still happens. Hmm. Interesting. That's weird. Well, I don't think battling exists in this game, but I don't really think it's the main emphasis. It's just, it's kind of, Mm-mm. it's more of an equal partner now to the capturing, whereas the older game, like it was, battling was everything. Yeah, I like that where it, the um the main change i don't know if you two have gotten up to this yet but you can master pokemon moves now mm-hmm. yeah I, i've um, done a bunch but i still don't fully understand how that happens so you got strong and agile uh strong yeah. will use more uh power points or pp to do a stronger attack but it will also kind of take up two turns at once so it will give your opponent more chances to attack back because it's not strictly turn-based. It's more like turn-influenced. Mm-hmm. Um, speed plays a huge part. Like, there have been multiple Pokemon battles where I initiated and then my Pokemon gets hit and fainted before I even see a menu. Oof. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've had a few of those. Yeah. 
the main thing I've been encountering like that is a lot of the time I'll get into a fight with a Pokemon, with a wild Pokemon, it'll run away before I can do anything. <laughs> yeah, that too. Like, yeah. Yeah, Stamp Stampler is a bitch for that. <laughs> yeah. What else was I going to say? Oh, yeah, speaking of the battles, the other improvement would be the fact that you can store, I guess is the right word, um, Pokemon moves. They're not completely forgotten forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, right. And you can change them over at any time outside of battle. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it actually works like a lot like Diablo 3, where like as you level up, the mo- the Pokemon just learns its standard moveset, and you just go into a menu and you just swap them in and out as, as you like, which is another mm. thing that Pokemon, frankly, should have done 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I, I hadn't figured that out either, so I'm delighted to hear that. Yeah, um, you can change moves, and also there's an NPC in the main village that can teach your Pokemon new moves for money. Mm-hmm. Are there uh, and... TMs and HMs? Have you come across no. any yet, Tori? No? Okay. I think that NPC is the TM. Right. But the fact that you never permanently forget a Pokemon's moves, I think that's the trade-off. Thank you. So you don't need to like keep buying the TM. <laughs> like in the older games when TMs were a single-use item... Oh god! <laughs> now it's just whenever um, the only downside, and it's such a minor gripe, but I want to bring it up, is the fact that I forget to change my Pokemon's moves. It doesn't <laughs> prompt. It'll be like it learned a new move. <laughs> yeah, but I won't tell you yeah. what it is. It won't ask you if you want to replace it. It'll just kind of store it in the bank, and you have to manually go in and do it. But that's, it's not a huge deal. There's a tiny pop-up in the top left of the screen that says when your Pokemon learns a new move, yeah. it's really easy to miss. <laughs> yeah, I think I caught one and just assumed it it was adding it to my pool, and then I was waiting for the, hey, you've, you know too many moves thing, but yeah, that, that, that's uh, that's a good good improvement. Okay, so the progression. Um, I still haven't got my, like, an ideal grasp on, on how this is working yet, so uh, each Pokemon... Like, the overall goal of the game is to fill up, like, the first ever Pokedex, right? So, each Pokemon you catch has, like, a a checklist of things you can do to complete the Pokedex, and then there are a heap of, like, levels for continuing to to do it so on my on my first outing into the wild i was i was doing this for ages and i'm like well nothing's going up what am i doing wrong and i couldn't figure out if i was reading the 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 grid wrong or whatever and then i was running out of stuff so i went back to the camp and then they're like hey congratulations you've gone up a million research levels so yeah so there was that and then he forced me back to the main town to get a new mission and since then i've just kind of been following the story mission chain so um let's explain the uh the progression system for our listeners and also me. Thank you. So basically each Pokemon will, even in an evolution chain, will have a different set of research tasks and they're all based around either hatching the Pokemon, either just outright catching them or catching them without them seeing you from behind. And then there's combat goals where you have to see them see specific moves or do moves in that strong or agile style I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, There's like a third subtype where it some pokemon will have uh side stories attached to them where just completing that side story will be a task so are those the quests that you get from the the town where they're like there's a badoof causing trouble yeah uh that yeah, that's okay. another thing that um doesn't really go into progression but i found it so fun and distracting from the main missions a lot of the time um i'll get into that after 
basically, if you get up to 10 of these tasks, it would consider that Pokemon's entry complete. Um, but there's a lot more than 10 that you can complete. <laughs> yeah. Which gives you flexibility. And I don't know if there's going to be a, a specific reward for or a marker or something for completing 100% of a Pokemon's entry. I haven't tried that yet. There is. I've done it with Bidoof. I have captured <laughs> 52 Bidoofs, which is just absolutely absurd to me. I think in the one night I've played this game, I've used more Pokeballs than I have in entire other Pokemon games that I've played for years. <laughs> um, At least you can I, craft I, them. Yeah, I love the crafting in this game. I spend so much time just gathering apricots or ap apricorns whatever the heck they're called apricorns, just so i can keep yeah. making pokeballs i have 250 standard pokeballs in my inventory <laughs> <laughs> but uh anyway sidetrack uh i completed all the the checks on bidoof's pokedex entry and it, it updated it to not just say level 10 complete it now says perfect 10 and there's a star on it so 100 100 completion is i think is doing that for every single pokemon in the pokedex and i don't know how many there is but i'm sure there's several hundred at least and hopefully an expansion set coming that'll add even more the highest number in my pokedex so far is i think 218 wow which is daunting <laughs> enough i yeah. think this is this is a pokemon game where i'm okay for not having every single pokemon in it <laughs> well and i've only very recently got that perfect 10 on the Bidoof. it took me i want to say eight to ten hours to do that for one pokemon for Bidoof, which is literally the first Pokemon you encounter in the wild, it took me eight to ten hours to finish its Pokedex entry. <laughs> and there's at least 220 Pokemon in the game. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I nearly maxed out the Bidoof thing by accident because I didn't understand what was triggering the oh, research. Yeah. I... <laughs> so that, that's the second point, is that you actually have to go cash these in effectively mm. you have to take them back to the mm -hmm. professor and he'll be at any base camp you just take it to him and those completed research tasks will turn into actual ticks and you'll be scored for that uh depending on what you do if you do a whole bunch of small tasks and actually get the 10 and i'm assuming perfect 10 you get a certain amount of points that you level up your rank and there's 10 stars total it also gives you points just for completing individual goals. So it's not just about yeah. completing the Pokedex entries. Like if you just complete a few things, it'll give you points for that too. And that'll build yeah, you up. Not as many, but your it next will. star rank. Yeah. Cause yeah. It's, it's all about, it's all about getting those star ranks. I'm at like, I'm almost at star rank four now. And like, I haven't even gotten out of the first sandbox yet. So I, I imagine the scaling is going to get quite ridiculous. <laughs> it's going to mm -hmm. take several, Several hundred thousand points to get to rank 10, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. But the, the star ranks are actually used to progress through the story as well. Mm -hmm. um, it will mm -hmm. gate you after every time you complete uh, a region's uh, tasks or story mm -hmm. missions, I guess it's a better way of putting it. And then before you can move to the next one, uh, Cyrene, who's the uh, captain of the galaxy team. I don't know if captain's the right one. Anyway... Uh, she she's she's the one with the killer stare. Yeah, um, she will say you can't move to this next area until you're two stars, hmm. uh, which well, won't be a problem for you, Andrew. 
<laughs> well, I've just <laughs> been having a grand old time just filling in the Pokedex because it, it's exactly my kind of busy work. It's my kind of grind. I just, I love filling in checklists. As people who listen to the show know about me by now, give me a checklist of things to do. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I originally was actually trying to fill, like, go for a perfect 10 like it did with Bidoof on every single Pokemon. But then I was like, if I do this, I'm going to be here all year. So now I've Mm -hmm. scaled it back. I'm just going towards getting to the level 10 on the Pokedex, which, again, only takes maybe a half hour to an hour for each entry to do that. And once I'm done, then I've moved on. But I could see myself getting into this enough that I would try to get a perfect 10 on every entry but that would take a very long time i think <laughs> um so let's talk about the online stuff yeah i don't really engage with this anyway in pokemon uh andrew pinged me on twitter because he found a satchel in the wild with my name on it um and we were trying to figure out if it was actually mine or not um i don't think it is because i've got nothing from that if you found it well i'm not even sure if the satchels are based on your character's name in game because uh my my player character is the young woman and i named her june so i don't know if other people are seeing june satchel if they're seeing Mm. my online screen names satchel i don't know that's why i was asking like andy did you die here because i I don't know (laughs) no i haven't died yet no i did i drowned at one point Hmm. trying to see if i could swim that was that was a fun experiment um but yeah uh i found two of these satchels and they were named after things that weren't on my friends list so i don't know if it is character names or not or, or people i know yeah, it's, so, probably, it's probably just people randomly online yeah um tori any insight on that no insight i just called it a strand game <laughs> trading yes i think you can do back at the village yep uh okay i haven't encountered that yet but there's a sales lady just before the combat practice area yeah who gives you the option oh okay Maybe I didn't talk to her enough, but I, I figured the trading was in because it's keeping all the uh, like the original trainer ID and everything mm-hmm. that is involved in the trading in the other games. I figured trading was still there, but uh, it doesn't feel as necessary in this game because there's just one game, thank God. <laughs> so you don't have to <laughs> trade for mons that don't exist in your world. <laughs> Funnily enough, the trade evolutions, you don't need to trade them to evolve them. There's an oh, item in the game called the... It's a link cable. It's, I can't remember what oh. it's called exactly. Ah, oh, yeah, I've But seen it's that. an evolution yeah. item. You just use it on, like, Haunter. That's how I got my Gengar. Good, because I want an Alakazam. Alakazam, to this day, Abracadabra Alakazam is my favorite evolutionary chain. I always <laughs> use them if I have the option. To get the item, though, you have to do that lost satchel stuff to get mm-hmm. merit points yeah. to buy yeah. the link cable. But you get one from a quest, so... Oh, that's nice. Good. Okay. One freebie. Cool. And yeah, so there's. it doesn't seem that there's any online battling, which, you know, I'm fine with. Never do that anyway. Didn't um, care. Do not. I've seen a lot of people really lamenting that. It's like, I do not care. <laughs> but uh, for some reason, the effort levels are still in the game, even though there's no competitive battling. So maybe it's coming later, or maybe Nintendo mm-hmm. is just really invested in the effort levels, so they kept them even though there's no longer a competitive aspect to the game. I don't know. And yeah, there's no raids or anything like there is in the wild area from uh, Sword and Shield. Good um, goddamn riddance. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, the only other thing people are talking about, and people are really both sides of the fence of this, 
is the graphics. A couple of things. There are there are some graphical glitches I've had in in battles, like grass moving weirdly. I'm yeah. sure that to get patched at some point. Um, as from a design point of view, I do not think this is an ugly game at all. Like I was looking at one of the cutscenes just before you meet uh, Weirdia, your uh, eventual mount, and like the background, like just the composition and everything. Like it's a good looking game. Like it's got beautiful color the designs are fine Mm. i get where people are coming from yeah it has weird trees i guess like okay (laughs) um i would much rather this game be in the the form it is now than be cut back and prettier i don't know i don't i'm just in in this thing where i think it looks fine for, for what it's doing like i'm not too stressed about it um comparison videos have, have ruined video game <laughs> conversations to be yeah. honest i am not on the same fence with you about the graphics at all but yeah i do agree with you about comparison videos <laughs> i hate comparison videos <laughs> i think the textures are uh, like layeringly low res in some points especially at a distance this looks like a gamecube game from a distance well not even like the textures on the um non-player characters like their uniforms and stuff the the professor's badge is yeah kind of pixely yeah. like that that i noticed but i don't know this is one of those cases where the graphics serve the purpose enough that i'm not i, I can tell what everything is i can play the yeah. game i would like it to look prettier but hey, i'm still in the first sandbox so i don't know how much variety is coming but that first sandbox is it's just plain lightly treed plain with like a mountain and some rivers and a larger lake or sea off to the side is it's just all very obvious <laughs> the the mm-hmm. textures aren't very interesting to look at the color choices they've used it's like it's green and it's brown and it's blue and you can make like a simpler looking game look more interesting with more dynamic color choices like not just green but like a a darker shade of green or a lighter shade of green to give the character to give the uh, area more personality uh, this game has no personality it's a, a very boring looking game it's landscape i would say again i'm only in the first area so maybe there's more character in later areas I, i'm assuming it, it's gonna have biomes like there's gonna be a volcano and there's gonna be an ice area i'm sure <laughs> but i just <laughs> i just hope that there's more interesting use of color than just this really obvious field <laughs> basically I feel like video games in general need to move away from the field being the first level. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, the meadow is, you know, the safe, the safest thing, like in existence. Yeah. It's it's a it's a primordial instinct. <laughs> but uh, and a, another note I put down here was Mount Fuji. There is a mountain in the background of all the areas I visited so far. It's clearly supposed to be Mount Fuji. Like, hmm. if you've seen pictures of Mount Fuji, it's an impressive mountain. Uh, it's not Mount this, Fuji. It's not? This is based on... The, the Sinnoh or Hisui region's based on Hokkaido, and I'm pretty sure Mount Fuji's on the island with, like, Tokyo and everything. So Mount Silver from Golden Silver. That's my ignorance there. But I, 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 I assume... I, I only thought be, about it now. <laughs> I assumed it was supposed to be based on Mount Fuji. Anyway, my point still stands. <laughs> it's a just a black shape in the background with this really obvious thing floating above it that you can tell is a barely scaled polygon that's just kind of stuck up there it it doesn't look convincing at all as an illusion and it's just 
that's just kind of the highlight for how lazy the graphics are. They're not 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 all the graphics. The, the Pokemon look great. The human characters, like they've had this really distinct design aesthetic since at least the 3DS era now, and I got no problem with them sticking to that. But the terrain, it's just so boring. And you got this mountain where you could have like a great looking mountain in the background, and instead you have this black shape with a bad polygon floating above it. It just it it's lazy. It looks lazy to me. Wait until you go to it. <laughs> <laughs> and my understanding is that there's the thing floating above the mountain, there's like a crack in it, and that that's mm-hmm. where I guess the, the player character fell through. Yeah. And I just have visions of him just like falling down, banging his head down the mountain Homer style. Well I I didn't I thought we were going to skip over this part to leave it a surprise. I was not expecting this to be a Lost in Time video game, but it no. sure as heck is. <laughs> yeah, I saw some people call it an isekai, which is an anime genre, which is basically this. Somebody pulled out of their world into a whole new world, being the outsider. I spied the smartphone that your character has in one of the previews that I think IGN did for the game, and I was like, wait a minute. You're in a game world where they are literally making Pokeballs out of wood, and your character has a smartphone? How does that work? (laughs) Well, that's how that works. (laughs) Oh, yeah. The Arc phone. (laughs) Yeah, that's why we don't call it Arceus. (laughs) And and, and why why is the, um, you know, the protagonist just like helping these people when yeah. like he walks into town and they're, they're all just calling him out on his clothes and you know the interesting yeah. thing is is that the story this time around actually involves the player character it's not just a whole bunch of things happening around them because your, your question does get answered oh nice because uh, at the point of the game I'm at, the player character is very blasé about everything that's happening oh I'm lost in time, these people don't trust me I gotta find a way home guess i'll go catch pokemon oh. <laughs> yeah. and his three faces of uh, surprise happiness and just blank <laughs> doesn't talk uh, unfortunately it'd be nice if they talked but you know yeah it, it does kind of this <sighs> thing but you, you have you have actually reminded me of something before we wrap this up the music is the most oh. un-pokemon music ever and i love every single track here which is not something i've said about any of the other pokemon games it's very subtle i haven't Mm. really i've noticed it but it's not like in your face but i was very disappointed in the music in sword and shield it sounded like a 3ds game to me and this does not sound like that i'm not always aware of it but when i do hear it i'm like oh that's really nice like there's one of the nighttime tracks it sounds like a jazz track from mr rogers neighborhood it's bizarre the contrast between the game (laughs) and the music but i do really like it uh, and there's a cutscene track which would have felt more at home in Final Fantasy mm. than a Pokemon. So I was like, yeah, just very, very happy with this change up. Um, I did see some chatter that the composer had changed. I don't, I'm not familiar with that composer's work, so I can't say one way or the other uh, whether that's their usual shtick or not. But yeah, very, very, very happy with that. Um, yeah, there's one track later on in the game. Again, can't say too much about it, spoilers, but. It's really. It doesn't sound like it belongs in a Pokemon game. It, it sounded like it belonged in a Silent Hill game. <laughs> wow. Oh God, I want to. I, I want to get to the Pokemon, the Ghost Pokemon area now. I love Ghost Pokemon. They've always been my favorite. Oh, <laughs> uh, I was I was out on night and was just getting accosted by Drifloom. Oh yeah. Like, 
that that was not fun. <laughs> that was very scary. <laughs> yeah, uh, especially knowing like their background from old Pokedexes. Well, there's the even... souls of lost lost children or something. Like, yeah, they oh, they, 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 they kidnap children, <laughs> and there's yeah, even, yeah. there's even there's a, a side, side quest, quest about to it. investigate that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah, this game's got range. It's actually um, got like a darker tone all around. Like right at the start, they're mm-hmm. like, "You're 15 years old. We're sending you out in the wild, and uh, if you don't do this trial." you're probably going to die. Yeah, I took a screenshot of that. I was like, wait a minute. Did this person just tell my Pokemon player character that he was going to die? (laughs) I've never seen that in a Pokemon game before, and I approve. (laughs) It's overall, it feels like a game made for the original Pokemon fans, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like -hmm. the people that have grown up with Pokemon, this is a new take on it, but the story and the difficulty and even the gameplay feel like it's, you know, it's it's made for the original Pokemon fans. Yeah, and like, and everybody who lives in the village, they're actually really scared of Pokemon. They don't understand yeah. Pokemon at all. <laughs> it's like a lot of the side quests is helping them hook up with a partner Pokemon that'll help them do their day job, and just oh, kind yeah. of getting them to quit being terrified of this Pikachu. <laughs> I really like that. If you help them find a partner Pokemon, the partner Pokemon stays there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. all of the side quests actually. Well, not all of them, but a lot of the side quests actually change the village that uh, you, the, which is the hub of the game. It's really cool. Cool. Well, let's let's wrap it up there. Um, I'm sure we'll come back when when we get further. Um, this is actually making me feel bad. I haven't quite finished Monster Hunter Rise yet, so I probably <laughs> I might nip back and do that in between. But yeah, very very much loving this formula change. Way more than I thought it would. Okay, what are we playing in the coming week? This week, probably Pokemon. Just, mm-hmm. I'm engrossed in it. I think I've got like 20 hours in it already. I need to finish the story and then I can start, you know, chipping away at the Pokedex for real. Uh, say it with me now. I got an indie adventure platformer. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> It's got quite a story too, actually. The, the game is called Death's Gambit. It's been out for a few years, but it just got like completely overhauled uh i don't know to what extent but it's now the afterlife edition which came out on switch last year but i waited for the physical edition which just came out in this past week so that's what i'm gonna be playing nice uh probably a good chance to mention what's going on with me at the moment um i've got a couple of uh projects i want to work on uh some gamesy some not uh so i'm gonna be more intermittent than i usually am on the show i'm still going to be around particularly for the big releases and uh, for the directs uh we may very well have uh someone to fill in for me uh in upcoming episodes so yeah not sure where i'm going to be but i can guarantee i'll be playing pokemon at some point (laughs) in this coming week Okay, that's it for episode 178. Thanks for listening. Uh, If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get noticed. And you can also find us on other podcast services. Being vague there for reasons. Um, (laughs) Make sure to check out our sister shows, PlayState and The Power of X. We're all part of the Game Podular network. You can find that at gamepodular.com. Make sure to check out our Discord server to interact with the lively Game Podular community. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, YouTube, and at GamePodular.com for updates, news, and other content. Links for this are in the show notes. If you want to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a Game Podular Patreon. Details for both of these things are on our website. Thanks in advance. Uh, this episode was edited by me, Andy Corrigan. You can follow me on Twitter, 
at Flame Roast Toast. Uh, you can also follow the other two panelists on Twitter. Uh, Andrew is at Play Critically, uh, and you can read his long form reviews over at playcritically.com. And Tori is at Stew2. That's S T W T W O.
That's my guess. Otherwise, it sounds Nintendo wouldn't allow people to say ass. Oh crap! Or that. <laughs> the Nintendo police are at the door. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say Arceus. I promise. 